got to stand up strong, take the truth about themselves to understand what went wrong. I know we can find a way. I know we can find a way. I know we can find a way. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Uniting. The races with truth instead of dividing them with lies. We also are rebuilding the family by rebuilding the man. I'm Jesse Lee Peterson. Welcome to the second hour of the show already. Manhood Hour is coming up in the third hour, next hour, every Wednesday. Third hour, Manhood Hour. You can get involved by calling 888 53773-888-77-JESSE. My biblical question for this week. Are you afraid you're not going to make it? Are you afraid you are not going to make it? We have every way to watch and support the show listed on jessaleepeterson.com slash show. And, um, if you're busy and can't watch it, you podcast later, you can also be listening to the show on your iPhone or iPad by calling the listen line at 641-793-1500, 641-793-1500. And uh, to donate and have your comment read out loud, go to buymeacoffee.com, buymeacoffee.com or re- rebuildingtheman.com. All right? And like, follow, do all the social media stuff. 888-77-53773. I have a guest coming up in a minute here. I want to go to Theo, a first-time call out of Texas. While we're getting the guests into the studio, watch that wire. Um, Theo! How you doing, Jesse? All this well, so thank you for calling. I'm glad to be here. Um, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm a, I'm a pretty medium-sized fan. I have to say I've been watching since, I don't know, middle school. I'm a 20-year-old now, so it's been a nice little bit of time, but I've been able to grow up and really just be able to analyze my, the world around me. And I just have to say, if you're a minister... I don't know, I have to question the rhetoric that you use a lot against, well, black people. And I got to say, I agree with the fact that you, especially people like Charleston White, are giving people the account, giving black people the accountability that they need. Right. But then you don't follow up with the rhetoric that's going to be more or less productive, especially when you're a minister. I would imagine you'd have more productive things to say. Like what? Give me you know an what? example. Uh, and I appreciate it, too. Give me an example uh, a productive thing, you think I should say? A productive thing? I'm not going to sit in here and act like I'm smarter than I am. Especially, that's why I called. You know what I mean? Right, I do. And but, Go ahead. I'm sorry, what'd you say? You're about to give me an example of what you mean by a productive thing. Well, for once, for starters, I see... You've taken the fault, like when it comes to, let's talk about slavery and just talk about systemic racism, something that people don't like talking about. Uh, let's, let's, I'm going to jump a bit, but we, there's a point here. So slavery ends and black people are then fighting for civil rights. I've heard you say that the civil rights movement was, was useless, next to useless. Yes. And it didn't was, need to happen. But was, why would you say that when it was a very big part of our history, and it's still a part of our history in different ways right now. I'd say it's even very closely related to what we have going on at the border situation. This anti-black agenda turns into an anti, an anti anything that's not white agenda. You know that. You know. Do you see what I'm saying? I like, do. But the one thing you don't realize is that the whole civil rights movement, and no such thing as civil rights anyway, but the whole civil rights movement was a setup. 
and it was done by Martin Luther King and Jesse Jackson and all those guys because they wanted to take control of the hearts and minds of the blacks so that they can gain power and so-called positions for themselves. And they got wealthy behind it. Their children got wealthy. They live in amazing areas. And the blacks are still fighting. So is it wrong? No, I see what you're saying right there. That those that black people got left behind in the wake of their quote-unquote success. But Martin Luther King was shot in the neck, wasn't he? But that don't mean anything. It didn't. It didn't help the blacks. You said it, it don't mean anything, but they assassinated him, and apparently it was nobody who assassinated him. But but the, my whole point is that the be, prior to the so-called civil rights movement, black yeah. people were individual thinkers. They didn't think in group. They went into the blackness and all that kind of stuff. I see what you're saying. And I see what you're saying. They they were into by land. They were into family. They uh, they started businesses and they 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 only they're only the and head, you know what their head at that I'm, time I'm sure was that God. Those who could did. I'm sure that those who could did. That's going to always I'm be that sure way. That there were people being bullied, people being bullied by the bullies of their time naturally. But they're and always you know that way. You got to have the hey, good okay, and the bad. That way, but you know that there's always a solution to that. You know what right looks like, especially if you believe in the gospel. Racism has never been okay. There's no such thing as racism. You know what I noticed? Theo. Yeah. What's going on? There's no such thing as racism. That's another made-up lie in an attempt to control. It's a construct that is still being used for the past 400 years. But it's being used It's a lie that has been able to be applicable to people's lives in many groups. It's being used by blacks in order to keep them down. To keep them you angry. It's been used by blacks. I say it's been used by whites and blacks in power to keep. Who do the you hear talk about racism the most? Black people or white people? Both of them. Who talks about more white people than black people? Who talk so about more it? White people naturally going to talk about it, and that's Theo, all they talk about it. Do I, yeah. I got to run only because I have a guest? Will you call me again? I will call you again. All I right, will. buddy. It's good to hear from you. All right. Good to hear from you, Jesse. Okay. Amazing. Um, I have a guest here, and I'm going to get to your calls and your super chats uh, as well. There's a line open at 888-775-3773, all the way from Australia. Amazing! Ju- uh, Jake Julius from Rattlesnake TV. He is a, uh, oh, he was on the Father's Day. I had him on the Father's Day. It was an amazing discussion that we had. So Julius is in L.A., so we have him on the Jesse Pizzo radio show today. He is uh, uh, originally from Australia. Um, he is a vibrant, vibrant content creator. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Known for his fearless exploitation of controversial subject. Exploration of controversial subject. Thanks for coming in, man. Thank you for having me, man. Yeah. What are you doing in, in the United States and L.A., all the way from Australia? I'm based in Mexico for the last month, but I'm in L.A. because I was coming to do your show and also the Whatever podcast. Have you seen the Whatever podcast? No. So it's basically where they get a bunch of girls around the table and then one or two guys. Oh. And all of the girls are like OnlyFans creators and... <laughs> and then that we we have a discussion, and last night was entertaining. For sure. Amazing. Um, how do you like the USA? You know what? I didn't really like LA the first one or two times I came here because I was staying in more the downtown area, and right. like I travel the world a lot. And the most unsafe that I've ever felt, or like the most sketchy that I've ever felt, was when I was in downtown LA. Yeah. And, I, and I've traveled around Eastern Europe. I've traveled around many different places that are quite dangerous. A lot around Asia. I'd say Latin America and then downtown L.A. are the, are the most unsafe. Amazing. Um, L.A., when I first moved here in 1968, was really a beautiful area. Mm. It, it was amazing. It, yeah, and I never yes, imagined it yeah. can turn into what it is now. I mean, there are still beautiful parts of it. And I stay in the San Fernando Valley. Now, I, I don't mind that. And then you go up north, Santa Barbara. Right. But I do love the United States because it's, it's absolutely vibrant and electric. There's great culture here. But there are a few, there are a few bad eggs, unfortunately. How is it? Oh, they need you to sit up here. Oh, yeah. Sean, come and tell him. 
I was wondering why you look so low on the screen. You see yourself up there? Sorry, I was there chilling. He was chilling. I was chilling too much. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's the difference in uh, L.A., I mean, the United States, from what you've seen of it, and Australia? Well, Australia is much bigger, and we have a much smaller population. So the cities are much more, like, spread out. And also, I don't. I think that Australia, in terms of politics, is much more apathetic. We uh-huh. don't really tend to get hit. We didn't get really hit by the global financial crisis. We don't really suffer. We haven't really had any major wars for freedom um, in the last hundred years or so. Or so. Right on. Yeah, it's, it's it, we're, we're much more apathetic with politics. Whereas Americans, you guys really wear your heart on your sleeve like that. Yeah, that's what I like about you guys. Do they still have those little black people living in the woods in Australia? Not in the woods, but in the <laughs> desert. In the desert, it's a little bit different. <laughs> <laughs> they live in the desert. Yeah, yeah. So you've got- that's why they're so black. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more something to do with um, something to do with that. But uh, like. If you if you go in the middle of Australia, you've got the Simpson Desert, which is just this enormous desert, and then you've got the Stuart Highway, which runs right through the centre of the desert, and like it'll take you one day to drive from one township to another, and these people have like n- like no hospitals near them, and it's yeah, really not, not where you'd want to live, Jesse. Really? <laughs> Do they blame the white people there for their condition? I think that the people who blame the white people are at the loudest are the ones whose grandma's mother's goldfish's cat was a was black, and <laughs> like they're not actually black themselves, <laughs> and they tend to um, be the ones who are the activists in the street who are sort of trying to claim some sort of victim narrative. Um, when if you wanted to really look at the problem, it would be a lot deeper and darker and more confronting truths. One other thing about the certainly look these do they live in huts? Or houses, they they live in houses, but you they, it, they're pretty they're pretty shoddy. Like the, the the conditions out there are pretty pretty nasty. Really? Yeah. Well, it's called the, the we call it the tyranny of distance, which is, means that if you live in one of these townships and you have no access to like medical facilities, for example, like it, it's so far away, and if you have to drive a day or two to get to your community, then it's much harder to build any sort of meaningful infrastructure. And also, these people. There, they were a Paleolithic culture when Australia, when they, when Australia was colonised by the British, so they don't have the same sort of desire or necessity for it. Yeah, like some, they get big checks, for example, sometimes from like big like mining companies and oil companies or whatever, um, or big natural resources companies, because it's like their land. <laughs> it's, it's hard to explain, but then yeah. they'll get big checks from these people, and then there's a whole industry of guys who go and sell uh, Toyota Hiluxes, like old Toyota Hiluxes. They'll drive them from different states up to the north, and then these guys will buy them, and what they'll do is they'll just fill their car up with alcohol, fill the car up like head to toe with alcohol. How do they take that money and get and drunk? Then, and then they'll go what they call out bush, and they'll take the car out bush, and they'll just thrash the car for months and just get, get drunk. So Wow. Yeah. They're called, what are they called? Aboriginals. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So what's wrong with the blacks that all over the world where they dwell and supposed to be in charge of their own life, they can't seem to get it together? What's wrong with the blacks? (sighs) I'm not sure. It's, it's, it's It's hard to answer the question when you say that because, like, it's, they're such different cultures. You know, like if you ask me what like the problems are with the indigenous Australian culture, I could answer you that, and then I could answer you separately different cultures. But the blacks is is a hard one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so listen. Uh, last time I had you on the Fall Estate, very interesting discussion. Um, what did you ever go and forgive your mother? Yes, you did. Yep. Whoa! Told her and everything. <laughs> <laughs> What made you decide to go and forgive her? Because when I was talking to you about it, you didn't know if you resented her or not. Well, I do. I love my mother, and she was a great mother, and she got me through some very, very difficult times. But uh, yeah, I let her know that she's forgiven, and that was that. What did she say? She said, "Thank you." <laughs> 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 what a mess! Yeah.
Amazing. And so do you deal with women differently now that you've dealt with your mother? I'd say that I was already pretty okay at dealing with women, but through through trial and error and through having times where I didn't deal with women the right way and then you like you learn pretty hard lessons and then you yeah. realize that Satan is their daddy at the end of the day. <laughs> and you realize, you realize that you have to be careful, you know? Uh, <laughs> So now that you have forgiven your mother, you still have anger or have you let it go? I'd say that as I've gotten closer to God and as I've leaned more into faith, my anger has subsided a lot more. And it was something that I did struggle with in my teenage years in, in a pretty big way. I'm a much more calm and peaceful person as I've leaned further into faith and trusted in God a little bit and submitted to God a little bit more and to His will. Right on, man. So, Are you doing a silent prayer? Did you get out a chance? I haven't given... I'm, I'm kicking myself that I haven't given it a chance yet because I do remember <laughs> you said that, but I will next time. All sure. right. Amazing. Yeah. So do you know what a riz is? Riz, like it's, it's like a short way of saying charisma. If you riz someone up, Yeah. I'm learning about this. Oh, so you want me to tell you? Okay, yeah. Okay. So Riz is it. what the kids say for charisma. So if you walk up to a few ladies and you and you want to sort of, you know, strike up a conversation, <laughs> you'd want to have a little bit of Riz because otherwise the ladies will just say no thank you. Do you have Riz? I would say that at times I've been known to have a little bit of Riz. And, and why did they take out... Uh, why did they take the Riz... From the charisma, uh, this is what the kids do, Jesse. They just they'll take they'll take things and they'll shorten them and sweeten them and <laughs> make little trends out of it on TikTok. I don't know, I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you why they shortened it. I charisma bet you most of them can't even spell charisma. I would say so. I would say so. These TikTok kids can't do much. Jesse. I know. What a shame. Huh? I know. What's I know. important to you? My family is most important for me, and my mission what I'm trying to achieve in life. And God would be the three things that are probably the most important. In and so you say your family, mm. meaning your, you're not married with kids, right? Not yet. Not yet. And so when you say your family, who are you referring to? My brothers and my mom. Oh, I see. Yeah. And why are they important to you? Well, because at the end of the day, no matter what happens, I know that they've got my back and I think you learn in life through having friends and relationships and business relationships and jobs that people are very come and go and people are very fleeting. And you have to know who are the people that have really got your back at the end of the day. And my family are, are those people for me. And yeah, that's I mean, why they're important. And you say that God is important to you too? Yeah. And how do you know God is important to you? Well, I would say because as I've started to develop a more of a relationship with God and read scripture a little bit more and lean into Christianity a little bit more, that things have gotten exponentially better for me in my life. So that relationship that I've built with God has been important in terms of my own salvation and my own and my own happiness and peacefulness. And it's pretty much when I'm not working or when I'm not talking to family, it's all I really think about. It's all I ponder. So, right on. Yeah. And so in Australia, is Christianity a big deal? No. I was raised in a totally atheist, secular society. So Really? Yeah. Unfortunately, I, I went to Catholic school, but I never took it seriously. And it only it took me until I was about 25 to start actually looking into it seriously and to start looking around and observing the evil in the world that I was seeing around me and then thinking that there has to be an opposite. And then looking into God, looking into Christianity, looking into the life of Christ and realizing that there is an opposite and that the good news is real. Yeah. And, yeah. What, what is it like living in a, uh, growing up in an atheist society? With no mention of God, no God or anything, right? Yeah, I think... What's that it, like? I, I, could, I could honestly talk for, for days about it. But last night I saw a really, really good example of it. So I was on this Whatever podcast, which, by the way, Jesse, if I lined up a, an appearance for you on the Whatever podcast, would you do it? Yes. It's in Santa Barbara. Oh, okay. Because you would, you would be amazing on that show. <laughs> Just talking to all these young ladies and teach, and showing them the way. <laughs> um, so, uh, so last night I was talking to a bunch of young ladies. And look, it's not even their fault that they think this way, but they're right. raised in such a secular society that they were speaking to me and like preaching to me that California is such a great place because I can get an abortion. And I wanted to say, it was towards the end, it was after a five-hour podcast and I was a bit tired, so I wanted to get out of there. I didn't say much, but... 
and then they were feminists and we presented them with facts and logic for about for hours telling them <laughs> why feminism is actually an evil satanic practice and right. and why it's it, it's actually bullshit you're not oppressed etc uh, etc et but they just wouldn't accept it and then i was trying to explain to them the natural order of the world how it's god over man man over woman god over man man over woman woman over child and giving them logic and it was just falling so flat on them and i <laughs> and i just thought to them this is the product of an atheist society and this is the ever expanding uh, this is the ever-expanding demon of liberalism and of freedom. Yeah, that people just expand endlessly, and then eventually it infects your children. And it's one of those ideologies that you you have to nip in the bud, and it has to be shackled to something. And if yeah. it's not shackled to God, if it's not chained to natural laws, and if it's not to, not chained to chained to objective morality, then it will just keep expanding. And I saw that that so that's what that's what happens in an atheist society is that these things wow. just keep expanding Amazing. until it gets popped. I can't imagine growing up in an atheist society. Hmm. You know, that's I, 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 I mean, I, what is that like? You know, like wh- what rules do you follow if you're not following the rules of God in the heart? Well, you, you you don't really because the idea of so the idea of freedom is taken so seriously, and like I like. Liberty in the sense that, like, I like to be able to not take a certain thing if I don't want to take that certain yes. thing. Yes. Um, and I like that idea of liberty. I like the the ability to be able to bear arms. I like the the idea of self actualization to an extent. Absolutely. But liberty. Uh, uh, Soren Kierkegaard, Danish philosopher, has this idea of freedom is the uh, anxiety is the dizziness of freedom. So freedom is such, like I said before, such an ever-expanding thing that if you don't, if it's not shackled to something, then it just keeps on expanding. And that's the problem with these atheist societies is that it's freedom over everything, freedom yeah. uberalis, and then and they don't have any idea of, of objectivity. And if you try and tell them something objective, like that something is objectively beautiful, or if you try and tell them that there is an objective uh, order of order of the world then they just reject it because that, that goes against their ideas of freedom. Yeah, so. that makes sense. Abortion is not freedom. They think because they can have an abortion, that's freedom. That's not freedom yeah. because the women who are killing the men, children in the womb, they're not free within themselves. They're not happy. They're miserable. Mm. It's funny that I talk about bodily autonomy, but if you look at an abortion, what it is is it's killing yeah. a life because life starts at conception. And that life doesn't have bodily autonomy. Right. So if you want to stand there and say, my body, my choice, well, this is something that has separate DNA to you. That's so. right. I mean, did any of the girls, did any of them catch on to what you were saying on that show? It's, it's this strange thing that happens where you say something that's logical and then they'll take. So I was saying to them, my idea of a good union between man and woman is that the man is the provider and that the woman is the nurturer. Yeah. So I want my wife one day to be able to nurture my children, and that's number one. I'm not going to be sending them off to a daycare where they're going to have rainbow flags in their little daycare. <laughs> that's not happening. That's right. And then they interpreted that as that women are oppressed and chained to the oven, and I said, <laughs> no, actually, this is your mind has been poisoned by these ideologies, and there are many, 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 many women out there who would actually love to hear that and who yeah. would hear that sort of rhetoric from a man and would think that's a strong leader. But you guys are thinking that, oh, I'm taking away your working hours. When you receive a little baby in your arms, you're going to want to care for that thing, and your husband is going to want to go out and provide for that thing. Yeah. And that's the natural order. Every single fiber of your being is inclined towards that way. But it fell on deaf ears, Jesse. <laughs> what a mess. You see my concept? What is it? That's when I used to pick cotton. <laughs> <laughs> is it actually? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is cool. You never picked cotton before? No. Does that make you a, a victim? <laughs> no, it make me a cotton picker. <laughs> <laughs> is that a little like uh, action figure of you down there? Yeah. Amazing. 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 <laughs> Hassan made that. Oh, really? But that guy right there. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> I'd love one of them. I put it in my studio, a little Jesse Lee Peterson action figure. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, Hassan did that. Did you ever sing songs while you were picking cotton? Yes. Like the Midnight Special. (laughs) (laughs) Shine a light on me. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I used to sing some glad morning when life is over. (laughs) Very nice. So I got to ask, ask, 
What do you think about, what's your opinion on public display of affection? I'm against public display of affection in my own relationships. Yeah. And I'm actually virulently anti-public affection when it comes to kissing and those sorts of things. Yeah. Literally two nights ago, my brother and I were at a restaurant and these cup, this couple was just eating each other's faces the entire <laughs> time that we were there. And it's the most disgusting, repulsive thing. I don't know how you can sit there while other people are trying to eat and drink yeah. and be eating each other's faces off. It's, yeah. They do it for the thrill of it. Because when you're doing it in the public, they look around to make sure other people are looking at them, mm. and they get a, a thrill from it. It's yeah. like an ego feeling like, oh, they're in love or something. You know, They get a yeah. thrill from it. That's why they do it. I, I think it, it, it's a thrill, but it's also just being drunk on your own fumes. Absolutely. Because you think, I'm in love, and the world needs to stop because I now found someone that I'm in love with, and look at, look at me being in love. Yeah. No one cares. Do we have that picture, Hassan, of... Um, uh, Scott, Tim Scott proposing. Tim Scott. <laughs> you know who Tim Scott is? Yeah, I do. Yeah. He, he just got engaged, hey? Yeah. I heard Have that. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. I want your opinion of this. Let, me, let us see it, Hassan. Oh, let me know when you get it. Yeah. He was on his knees proposing, and, and not only... It was disgusting mm. to see a, a man on his knees so weak like that. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't like the idea of a man getting on a knee to propose? It's not supposed to. You're not supposed to bow down to any human being. Right. And he bowing down to this woman, begging her to marry him, and she's going to keep him on his knees. You know what's funny? I've actually never thought about it that way. Yeah. I've never thought about the submissive position that getting on your knee right. is. The man's supposed to be bringing the, the woman into his world. Yeah. But when you're bowing down on your knees, you're going into her hell. And that's all you're going to ever catch <laughs> in the marriage is hell. He's going to catch hell the whole time. Oh, the whole time. Because he yeah. started out weak. Yeah. And and not only that, this woman been married before, according to the report, married before with children. Oh, no, Tim Scott. Yeah. My man was running for president. He can't do better. I was so happy when he got out of that race because he's, he's a mama's boy. Yeah. He, he uh, was saying that during the GOP debate. Was he was saying, mom, mama. Right. <laughs> he kept saying it. Everything about mama. <laughs> yeah. My mama's here. My mom, me and my mom and my brother grew up in a one-bedroom house. <laughs> Everything. I'm like, Lord, please don't let this guy get in. Yeah, he was playing to it a little bit, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. It was a mess. Uh, but I wanted to know, so what do you think about men kneeling to ask a woman to marry him? Well, until just then, I'd never thought about it before. Really? I'd never thought about the actual act of kneeling. But it's a good point. I mean, what, is there some sort of like a biblical reference to what a man's meant to do when he asks a woman to marry? I know you're meant to see the father, you're yeah. meant to maybe propose some sort of a, so a gift. What, 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 is, what is the actual what biblical reference? What a man, uh, you know... It, if everything was normal the way it should be, he would go to the father, her father, mm-hmm. and say, hey, I'm, I want to marry your daughter. And then he would just, uh, because the father is supposed to hand the daughter off to her husband, right? Mm. Because of the order of God. And so once he does that, he would just go and tell the woman, hey, we're getting married. You know, <laughs> come on. Come on. Come there. on. Yeah. Okay. yeah. No, actually, to be honest with you, like not not just because you've said that, but that that makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. Because it's more important to get the father's approval first. Absolutely. And then once you've gotten the father's approval, then you go come on, marry him, because <laughs> he's pastor. Did we find it? No, yeah. <clears throat> Are you? A, oh, there it is. Look at that. It's gonna make little caramel babies. Oh, a mess. Yeah. And he want to be the president. Hmm. Are you able to, I know you were here for 30 minutes. Can you stay a little longer? Yeah, of course. Okay. I've got no plans, man. All right. <laughs> Let's go. Let me take a break. 888 7753. 773. Back in a moment. have a counseling service and I have to admit thanks to God it is the best counseling service on this side of heaven 
I counsel with men and women, families, individuals around the world. Most people are unhappy. They're miserable. They have rough lives. They're depressed, suicidal, young and old, of all races. I understand. I know why, and I do understand it. Because exactly what's happening in me is happening with everybody outside of me, inside of them. And I've noticed that with those who really, really, really want to understand, they overcome it just like that. Out of one counseling session. If you need counseling, you can go to rebuildingtheman.com or call 800-411-2663. 800-411-BOND. Best counseling service on this side of heaven. Mr. President, take this home. I can rap, huh? No, we talked about Riz. You got it, Jesse. You got it. <laughs> the wall going up. Amazing. I'm talking to uh, Jake Julius here from uh, Rattlesnake TV. Tell us how you came about. With, how did that come all happen for you, Rattlesnake TV? Okay. What do you do exactly? So um, Rattlesnake is my boxing fighting name, Jake Rattlesnake. So there's no sort of... I'm thinking about even changing it at some point, to be honest, Jesse, because I don't want to have a snake in my name for much longer. But uh, So I so used to do a fighting podcast, which was boxing, MMA. This went for a few years, did about 100 episodes or so. And then I moved into more of the sort of political space during COVID, doing a bit of activism work when people were trying to make me do things that I didn't necessarily want to do, right. which we can't really say a lot of the time. But um, once that happened, then I moved into the activism work. And like, like I said, in, when I was about 25, which is about three years ago, started looking into you know Christ a little bit more, started looking into Scripture a little bit more, and also started looking into the evils of the world. So that was what you might call like a red-pilling experience for me. Right on. And then as that went on, that sort of faded out, had a little bit of a thing going on there. And then I started Rattlesnake TV in October of 2022. And I had a video... And mind you, I'd been doing podcasts for years at this stage, but never earned a penny from it. And then I had a video just go really viral and found my lane a little bit and just kept on talking about the issues that I wanted to talk about. And people liked it. And now here I am in the fallen state. Amazing. I saw you, one of your videos where you were, I guess here, I think you were in this country, and you were going around asking people about racism. Mm -hmm. What did you learn or realize from that? It affirmed what I already knew, which is that America, especially LA, where if you walk around Santa Monica Pier, where I was that day, right. it is what, it's what, if you were a real utopian, it's what you'd define as like the melting pot, which was that people from all different races are, are able to sort of coexist together and not kill each other most of the time. But, um, and then I was interviewing people and asking them if they think that America's racist. Every single one of them said yes. And it was just this amazing sort of like juxtaposition between reality and what people think. Yeah, but because, I saw that. Yeah, because they're all saying, yeah, no, I'm, I'm oppressed. And then one of, the, one of the young ladies I interviewed, I was saying so, she was saying to me, yeah, I never really thought about racism when my parents never really uh, thought about racism either. And then I learned it in school. And I was trying to sort of subtly reinforce to her by saying, so you're, you're telling me that you learnt racism in school. Before that, you never thought about it. She goes, yeah, yeah. And it just didn't, the penny just didn't drop. Right. So it was, yeah, it was odd. That's for sure. Another video I saw of yours, where well, you were critiquing this one. 
uh, uh, Jordan Peterson. And Michael Eric Dyson. And Michael Eric Dyson. Mm. And the other guy that was with Jordan. What was his name? Stephen Fry. Yeah, Stephen Fry. We mm. played that here, by the way. Mm. Um, I have debated Mike, Michael Dyson before. And I noticed that he used big words, as mm. you said in the video. <clears throat> and he speaks really fast. So you don't know that he doesn't know what he's talking about. Mm. But I really appreciated the way Jordan Peterson and that guy handled Michael. Mm. Um, what did you think about that video? You, you explained it well, by the way. It was yeah. perfect. Oh, thank you. Um, well, Michael Eric Dyson's a snake oil salesman, yeah. and he's just a sophistrist. So he just uses sophistry to try and like actually obfuscate the bullshit that is coming out of his mouth. Right. And Candace Owens, I think, said it perfectly. If you've ever seen him debate Candace Owens, Candace yeah. Owens just says, you're just using big words. You're yeah. saying big words. You're not saying anything. Right. Say something of substance. And uh, it's a typical intellectual, somebody who tries to make very complicated, very simple ideas, very complicated right. and sort of... He's like, like I said before, drunk on the own fumes. He's drunk on his own fumes because he's using all these big words. Yeah. And he thinks that people are in awe of him. When if you actually analyze what he's saying, it's just a load of, load of doo-doo. <laughs> <laughs> Mess. Um, I like the way that Jordan Peterson, had, I'm sorry, tell me the other guy's name again. Stephen Fry. And Stephen Fry dealt with him. Mm. They were not afraid of speaking up to him. They weren't, were not afraid of... The word racism called Michael Kelp, mm. implying that white people this and white people that and racist. But they didn't give into that at all. And I really like seeing that. Mm. Well, I mean, I, I appreciate that too because they were quite subtle about it. But I like people who are even more more forward in calling it out and yeah. saying like that it's like you're actually the racist if you want to keep on implying that if you want to see everything through the prism of race then then this is your problem it's not really something that i'm dealing with i'm trying to deal with the issues on a fact basis i'm trying to deal with them on at face value yeah but have you heard of race to dinner yes i've 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 seen i've seen some parts of it oh yeah yeah let's play uh race to dinner a little song by it i want you to react to it this is from movie maker Race to Dinner. It's a business in which white women pay to have dinner with Regina Jackson and Sarah Rowe, who offer blunt talk about race. Watch this movie maker. show of hands of everyone at this table who is racist. Oh my god. For me, race has never really been a thing. I've always thought of myself as being like kind of woke. I'm blinded to color. Like It doesn't faze me at all. When we bleed, we bleed red. Because he was a white male, he was a victim of reverse racism. I understand you have issues with us skin color, but I don't believe that's our future. Let me ask you a question. How many of you would trade places with a black person in this society. Raise your hand. <laughs> what do you think about that? I actually have a little bit of a theory about this. I want to know what you think about it. So when I see this and this whole anti-racist movement, what I see is people trying to come to terms with the fact that they are broken and fallen creatures and that they're beyond repair. And I think that this is an internal yearning that we all have as human beings yes. to accept the fact that we're broken and beyond repair. But instead of, but they're rebels to God. And instead of admitting that, they, that we're all fallen and we're all broken, we all need to submit to God and we all need to accept the grace of Jesus, they instead will try and idolize black people. And they'll say that this is, this is the white people are the ones who are fallen and this is our idol. But I think that <laughs> internal yearning is there. And it's funny because they just need to turn their attention elsewhere. They need to plug into a church. Absolutely, man. Yeah. What I don't understand, I do understand, even though I'm saying I don't, what would make, first of all, that was a dumb question, would you take the place of a black person, right? 
uh, who would want to take the place of a black person? <laughs> and like, would you want to take the place of a uh, white person? Right, I'm about like, to say, I wouldn't yeah. even want to take the place of a white person or any yeah. person. I want my own place. It's a risk, my man. Because right. you see something and you don't know what the internal life is like. So even if I see you and you look like you've just got it all together, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to trade places. It's a risk. Were you surprised to see that uh, those white women putting themselves in that position with some dumb black woman and another, whatever she was. Uh, Yeah. Why were they putting themselves in that position like that? Well, because it's this self-flagellation. And this is the only reason why, like, we're able to have, like, in America, for example, you're able to have your borders invaded. Like, other countries where it's it's acceptable to be uh, sort of nationalistic and to have pride in yourself. Like, if you go to Japan or South Korea and they try and tell you you're evil because you're Japanese... They will grab some chopsticks and start whipping you out the building. <laughs> really? Like, I promise you, like these countries are proud and they're proud of who they are. They're proud of their history. And if they, they're actually, they what, what you'd want to call racially supremacist. And I go to those countries and I think, okay, you think you're better than me because you're Japanese? I get it. And this is why you guys have a strong culture. <laughs> right. But white people, for some reason, have just become so self-flagellating over the past however long. I'm not, I'm not too sure, but... White, it doesn't surprise me to see white women doing it. But I've also had experiences in my life, especially with a certain white woman that I know that had to do the DEI training. Right. And then she was brave enough to stick up for it. And I, I went in the call with her when uh, they were doing the DEI training and tried, trying to like sort of scold her about it. And uh, she stood up to it and they crumbled in a heartbeat. <laughs> they cr- crumbled straight away, Jesse. Oh, These man. people can't stand up to questioning. So... A mess. Yeah. Amazing. I remember growing up, and then you want to take a call at least one? Yeah, let's okay. do it. Yeah. I remember growing up, and white people were strong. I never imagined that one day white people would be so weak and afraid to just say, no, I'm not a racist. It doesn't exist anyway. I'm not a racist. All they have to say is no. They mm. won't even say no. But also, I'm not a racist, but, but, but in-group preference and that 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 does exist though if if i say that christian european culture i think is the greatest culture to ever exist that doesn't make me a racist That's that just right. makes me makes me proud yeah. and it doesn't but i think that one the, the problem comes in when you start to pathologize the other and that's what these women are doing they're pathologizing white women yeah. i wouldn't pathologize black people i would identify the problems that african americans are facing that indigenous australians are facing i would also identify the problems that white people are facing in america which yeah. is the fact that they're self-flagellating and that they vote for these awful like governors like governing <laughs> like gavin newsom you know <laughs> what a man you have a dog have a dog no not at the moment oh good for you yeah man. we'll get to that story okay. let's go to emily a first time caller out of uh texas emily you're on the air welcome to the show thank you very much jesse i've just moved here to Texas, and I just started listening to you. You make a lot of good sense, and a lot of people don't want to listen to what you have to say. They want to over-talk you and everything, but I had a few questions I wanted to ask you. Okay. What is the meaning of sin, and what really is sin? I'm kind of confused about that, because we're raised with certain values, and uh, we go by that, and the church tells us certain things, but and then we feel certain things are good or bad. I wanted to get your response on that. Sin is man or woman playing God. When you think that you know what you want for yourself, when you think you can make your life work, when you judge yourself and others, you are playing God. And that's why God cannot do anything for you because you're your own God in your mind. And that's the sin, human beings playing God. I agree 100%. Uh, most of my life I've tried to find out who I am and what I am. and But I've always known God. I've always known him. Uh, even when I was three years old, I told my mother, I said, Mom, you know, I've had this dream that I stood up in the pew in church, and I told the priest he did not know what he was talking about. 
And uh, my mom said, <laughs> yeah, you actually did that. And when I was a little girl, I would uh, uh, put an altar in the backyard, and I would bring the other school, uh, the other children in the neighborhood to come and pray. And my mother said, no, you can't do that. That is wrong. And I said, but I have this feeling that I want to tell people about God. And I've done that my whole life. Well, um, little children do know God. It's just that they're traumatized by their mothers because the father doesn't protect them from their mothers. And so they forget mm-hmm. God once they become angry. But they do know God when they're born. And and uh, that's why as an adult, you got to come back to him. Are you married, Emily? Uh, my husband just passed away last year. Oh, man, so would- rest in peace. I was extremely obedient. I was raised old-fashioned Italian. When you get married, the marriage vows say, the woman says, to honor, love, and obey. But the husband doesn't have to say that. I never really paid yeah. attention to it, but exactly. I do now. You want and, to respond? Um, Emily, let Jake respond to that. You want to respond to that? Yeah, well, I've, I've hadn't read the marriage vows myself about to love and obey, but... It, I think uh, I'm Italian by culture as well. Oh, so, yeah? yeah it, it does, oh, it does. It does make sense. And Ita- Italian women can be good, but unfortunately, if you go there now, there's a little color revolution going on, and the feminism <laughs> is very strong in Italy. Yes. So we've got to bring it back. Amazing. Well, Did you I obey was, your husband, Emily? Yes. He was my lord and master, and that's how I was brought right up. On. He wanted to marry. He wanted to marry an Italian. He wanted to marry because his parents felt that that was right. I had a chaperone until I was engaged to get married. I had a chaperone. Girls today need chaperones. But my mama taught me, your husband is your lord and master. He puts food on your table, puts a roof over your house, and and, and, takes care of you. You have to take care of him. And I did obey, let him take control of the money, take control of everything, you know. I felt that was the right thing to do up until the day he died. Right you know? on. Amazing. I, <laughs> that is amazing. I, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I think more women would be a whole lot more settled and happy today if they would do that. But I see a lot of angry women. Yeah. Um, you know, don't know where the heck they belong. They're you know? yearning for their fathers. That's what's wrong. They want, they're yearning for the Father. And that's what men are supposed to do is to bring them back, to have that godly love, God in Christ, Christ in man. And they would Mm -hmm. bring the women back to their natural state of being. Emily, thank you for your call. Will you call me again? Oh, absolutely. Thank you, Jesse, for Uh, the work that you're doing. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, Thank you. What I want to do before we end here is get you and Joel. You know who Joel is? Who? Joel, he black. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> this see, is Joel. Yeah, let's see <laughs> Joel picture up there with his show. His, uh, How are you, man? Good, good. With an advertise for his show. Joel Friday TV. Yes, sir. Joel. You don't have it? Okay. This is Joel Friday. See? He's a part of our uh, very nice network we're building. He black. <laughs> <laughs> is 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 Obama black, Jesse? No, no. Obama white. Why? I got He's a little white, white and black. I got a little white. <laughs> 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 but this is Joel, and he's on uh, our uh, network here. He worked here as well. Yeah, and nice uh, to meet you, Joel. You too, man. You got your uh, a show on the network as well. Yeah, Very I just nice. started about a year ago. So beautiful. If you have, if you have a if you ever struggling for a guest, need a replacement, you let me know. I'll jump in there. Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> have you heard of Jake before today? Uh no, this is the first time I've. Uh, yeah, the first time I heard about right it. On. Yeah. So what I want to do is play this soundbite about dogs. I don't have headphones, though, so. I don't where are your headphones? They disappeared. Hank, where are your headphones? What the? I know. Amazing. He said, ask me or not me. What the? <laughs> so you're not even to hear it then. But we can, um, if somebody wants to bring uh, the headphones that are out there in here. Um, that's the anchor baby, Jake. Oh, you need to hear him too. Jake, don't get that man your Jake. Don't get that man your headset. 
Yeah. Uh, so I, is, there, is there a place to plug it in there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we got it. I think you have to have these ones. No, we'll huh? plug it over here. No, right? plug it right on the table there. Nick, come and show me where to plug it. I've got one here. Oh, okay. I yeah. see what happened. Oh, yeah, I see what happened. Oh, we got it. Yeah, that was in the wrong plug. Okay. Okay, we got it. Found it. Boom. Amazing. Amazing. Okay. Uh, first of all, did you know that dogs get depressed? I've seen depressed dogs. <laughs> you have. I've seen. I've seen depressed dogs. Yeah. Well, watch this. New York Post. Multiple things can trigger the onset of dog depression. And you know they can get antidepressants now. What? They can get antidepressants now. Pills? For dogs. Pills. I promise you can put it in the dog's food. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, Lord. Big farmer. Studies have shown that dogs can experience depression and anxiety. Why is this from CBS? Well, I don't think they're forgiving them. But what about the dog's well-being? Turns out they suffer from depression and anxiety just as much as we do. So everybody can tell you about how your dog knows when you're in a bad mood and knows how to, like, come and cheer you up. But unfortunately, we're not as good at reading them. Nearly 75% of dogs show signs of depression or anxiety, with 18% showing symptoms every week. However, only about a third of owners recognize those signals. The main things to look out for are disinterest in things that they used to be interested in, going off their food. You can look at their little faces, if they're kind of lip-licking a lot, if they're yawning a lot, that's kind of a sign of immediate stress. Experts predicted a surge in poor pet mental health after the pandemic. While you're out for your walk, why don't you make it not just a physical walk for them, but like a mentally stimulating walk? Researchers say that extra mental boost for your fur baby could improve your health too. What do you think about that? Well, wow. I mean, imagine you're a dog, Jesse, and you've got some lady who's your master, and she's carrying you around in a little handbag all day. <laughs> or imagine you're a big, you're a big rottweiler who wants to run around, and somebody's keeping you in like a like a little tiny backyard. Right, you'd be depressed too. Amazing, good point, man. Yeah, and you say <laughs> <laughs> what a mess. No, there's there's like reasons why it's it's actually the owners who are weakening the dogs, like he's saying. Right. Is that, by putting them in these clothes and like babying them, put them in a stroller. It's not letting the dog's nature be a dog. You ever so. seen a single mo- single mother with a dog? I know this single <laughs> mother who has a dog, right? And it's just you know what happens when the single mamas like the the men discipline their dogs and the dogs become obedient. But when the single mamas have a dog, they they try and talk to them with like love yeah. and affection. So when they do something wrong, they'll be like, "Oh, it's okay, it's okay." And that, <laughs> yeah. if you if you don't if you don't point. discipline a dog, then they just become reckless. Yeah, you know? it's like a young a young lady who doesn't have her father around. You know, once that happens, then it just it just never stops, and the dog will just climb up on the table, eat all the food. Yeah, good you know? point, man. Yeah, and the dogs also don't reject it. They're not going to reject it and be like, "This is too much." They love it, so they're gonna their nature is going to change because of it. Because they like the attention. But dogs don't get depressed. I'm telling you. Dogs don't feel anything. It's just that human beings who have not overcome, they're in an animal-like state. And so they have all these feelings and thoughts and feelings, and they think that the dog is feeling what they're feeling, and they're not. Mm. I think the word depression, it might be something different, but you definitely get dogs who are, like, uncomfortable by their lives. (laughs) They've got, you know... Bad parents, bro. Jay, tell the people your website, how to find you, and everything. Rattlesnake TV on YouTube, Instagram, Jake Rattle SNK, Rattlesnake, but Rattle SNK, and same with Twitter. And that's where you can find me. Amazing. Thank you, man, for coming by. Always a pleasure. And, uh, you're welcome here anytime. Thank you, brother. Next time I'm in LA, I'll hit you up again. Right have on. Another chat. And have a safe trip. Nice to meet you too, man. We'll be back. I'll be back in a moment. We'll t- I'm going to take your phone calls as Super Chat. Quick break. One more hour to go. Back in a moment. Amazing. 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 (laughs) Steve, thank you for calling and thanks for holding. How have you been helped by the show? I'm going to tell you this. I believe you might go down in history as one of the greatest, if not the greatest, black man that ever lived on planet Earth as far as I'm concerned. I don't know anybody before you that's been that great. You know, freeing the slaves is one thing, but you've been freeing people of their mind, which matters, it should be anyhow, to you more than anything else, because with the mind not being right, there ain't nothing else going to happen right anyway. If you can doubt every thought, because you're not your thoughts, if you can doubt 
every thought, knowing that you are not your thoughts, you don't create them, they are not from God, that they're from the deceiver, the great deceiver, Satan. If you can doubt every thought, you can be free, just like that. At an instant, bring every thought into captivity. It's so amazing. A whole lot of mess going on in the world. This is the end of hour two already of the Jesse Lee Peterson Show. It's Wednesday, the 31st of January, A.D. 2024. Stay tuned for hour three, Manhood Hours, coming right up. And speaking of men, tomorrow night, third thir- first Thursday of the month, for men only, the Men's Forum, right here in Los Angeles. Be here or miss it. All right? Rebuildingtheman.com slash events if you need more info to join us in person for the men only. Women's forums are third Thursday of the month for ladies only. Uh, there is one line open. You can call in right now to get in on for manhood hour. Talk with JLP. But first, Hake News, not fake news. You can call in during Hake News, not fake news. Persecution of the president, New York State so-called Judge Arthur Engelron according to far-left commie nonsense network CNN, is poised to soon rule. Ooh, they split their infinitive to rule soon. How much money our greatest president, Donald J. Trump, and his co-defendants owe, quote-unquote, owe for fraud, as well as whether Trump can still do business in the state of New York. Angoran has already ruled that Trump engaged in fraud, ruled without evidence, and said he's aiming to issue a decision on Trump's Business empire today. What a mess. Uh, anyway, they're 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 going. They're pretending that it's real because it goes to the heart of Trump's image as a successful billionaire, which he is, and includes accusations of fraud regarding regarding the Trump Tower apartment and the Mar-a-Lago estate and several golf courses, among other assets. And it's phony. The civil lawsuit from New York Attorney General Letitia James, a black female Democrat, is seeking $370 million from Trump and the other defendants in ill-gotten gains. What a dummy. She's the ill-gotten gain. (laughs) She's getting ill-gotten gain. Anyway, Judge Engeron's ruling will also address six additional claims, including conspiracy and falsifying business records. Uh, Speaking of fake things, abortion rights, no such thing. France is on track to become the first country in the world to include abortion rights, quote-unquote, in their constitution, according to the Commie Nonsense Network, CNN. The French National Assembly passed a historic bill on Tuesday with 493 so-called lawmakers in favor and 30 against the few, the proud, uh, that moves toward enshrining the so-called right to kill the unborn child in the womb, into law. The next vote will take place in the Senate in February, 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 and later in the French Congress, a special body composed of both chambers in the par- of the Parliament. The bill's adoption relies on a three-fifths majority vote in the latter, which is expected to happen in time for International Women's Day uh, for killing the children on March 8th. The bid for constitutionalization became a priority for the French government following the overturning by the U.S. Supreme Court of Roe v. Wade, which was a joke of a decision from 1972, in June of 2022. And that was argued by a man. Nice. Speaking of men, Wayne LaPierre stepping down as leader of the NRA. We salute you, brother. Wayne LaPierre did a great job, I think. Uh, He spoke well and he uh, wrote well. Wayne LaPierre, the longtime leader of the National Rifle Association, which is a rhino establishment out, uh, outfit now, by now, in the NRA. He helmed the organization for th- three decades. He will end his tenure today. The outgoing CEO plans to resign er- earlier this month, citing his health. So we wish you well, Wayne LaPierre. Uh, he faces a so-called civil corruption case from, I think it's that Letitia James woman or some other black female dummy, alleging that NRA violated laws for non-profit groups, committed tax fraud, and spent millions on personal expenses for its leaders. So she's suing them. I think it's that black female Democrat, same one who's going after Trump. Uh, Not very fit, by the way. 
Uh, Hamas hostages. Six so-called Americans are among the more than 100 remaining hostages held by Hamas in Gaza. Been trapped since the militants, the so-called, what are they called, terrorists, launched a series of brutal attacks in Israel on October 7th. And so the families of the hostages met with the black on the inside White House officials Tuesday. I'm James Hake. Now back to JLP, Manhood Hour.